Before this episode starts, I just want to say thank you for tuning in to the podcast feed of the Mason Talk Sports Show and wherever you may be listening, whether it be iTunes, Spotify, or wherever. Just make sure you leave a good rating, preferably five stars, and of course, subscribe to the podcast so you never miss a show. And without further ado, enjoy the episode. Welcome in to the Mason Talk Sports Show. Today is Saturday, June 26th, 2021, and I have a couple of topics that I want to talk about. Baker Mayfield is still one of the most underrated quarterbacks in the National Football League, and I think it's probably the media's fault. Also, I want to talk about something I haven't talked about in a long time, and that is the Cleveland Cavaliers. Because the Cavaliers might be forced to trade away their best player since LeBron James. But before we get to those two topics, I want to talk about Super Bowl contention. Because for the first time since probably the late 1980s, the Cleveland Browns have a team that is worthy of being considered a Super Bowl contender. When you look at the roster that Andrew Barry has assembled and you combine that with the reigning coach of the year, Kevin Stefanski, the Browns are a team who should be viewed as a Super Bowl threat in the AFC. But when and how will we know if those Super Bowl beliefs are justified? I think the answer is, number one, we will know within the first few weeks of the 2021 season, and number two, we will know if three signs or three Mason Talks prophecies are fulfilled. And those three signs are as follows. Number one, if the Browns are to be a real Super Bowl contender, they have to win a lot early in the season. Now, that may sound like an obvious, you know, well, duh answer. Of course, they have to win a lot of games if they want to be a legitimate Super Bowl contender. But really, if you look at every Super Bowl champion in the past, you know, 30 years, there's never been one. Well, there's not usually a Super Bowl team that starts the season off slow. And I know that there are a couple of, 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 you know, exemptions, a couple of teams who kind of stood out from the pack, like the 2007 Giants who, who started the season 0-2 and then won a bunch of games and, you know, eventually ended up beating the undefeated Patriots. But usually speaking, if you want to win a Super Bowl, you have to assert your dominance early. And I'm not saying the Browns have to start the season 10-0 because, quite frankly, that's unrealistic because in week one, you face the Kansas City Chiefs and you're probably not going to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. But I don't think starting 10-1 would be that crazy because after the Chiefs, you face the Texans, a team you should beat, the Bears, a team you should beat, the Vikings, a team that you should beat, the Chargers, a team you should beat, the Cardinals, a team you should beat, and then on and on until you face the Ravens in week 10 and third and 10 and 4 or 12 and 14. Those are your first two legitimate challenges. I, I, I think the Patriots are a beatable team. I think the Lions are a beatable team. Bengals, beatable. Steelers, beatable. Those are all teams that the Browns can and should 
beat. And if you want to be a legitimate Super Bowl contender in a division with real juggernauts like the Buffalo Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs, you have to start the season out by asserting your dominance and winning a ton of games in the first half or first you know quarter of the season. So if the Browns want to win or if the Browns want to be, be viewed as legitimate Super Bowl contenders, first of all, they need to start the season off with a bang. Number two, the second sign we need to look for early and often is Baker Mayfield has to be the focal point of the Cleveland Browns offense. Now, I, I, I know that the Browns have one of the best running back tandems in the National Football League and Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. And I'm not going to take that for granted because I know that those two, especially Nick Chubb, are incredibly valuable assets and they are weapons who can 100% contribute in a big, big way to a Super Bowl team. But if the Browns want to win a Super Bowl, they're not going to do it based on their running game. They're not going to do it based on all this offensive talent that they've assembled. The Browns are going to win the Super Bowl based on Baker Mayfield. Baker has to be the focal point of the offense. The offense has to thrive because of Baker, not just with Baker being the game manager, not just with Baker Mayfield being an average, you know, facilitator of the offense. I know you have the talent to do it. I know you have the talent to win a lot of games, even if Baker doesn't necessarily play at you know, an elite level. But if the Browns want to win a Super Bowl, if they want to be Super Bowl contenders, Baker Mayfield has to be a Super Bowl quarterback. Look at all the Super Bowls in recent history. Show me the one that's been won by running backs, and then maybe I'll be convinced that you can do it without an elite quarterback. But if the Browns want to win a Super Bowl in the modern era, Baker has to step up in a big, big, big way. So number two, Baker Mayfield has to be the focal point of the offense. The third sign that we need to see from the Cleveland Browns early if they want to be a Super Bowl contender is we have to see not only Miles Garrett performing at a high level, but Jadavian Clowney as well. I think we know pretty, you know, pretty confidently that Miles Garrett is going to be a beast. He's going to be a defensive player of the year candidate. The question mark in that whole equation is Jadavian Clowney because we've seen Clowney be, you know, great at times in his career. And then we also saw what he did with the Tennessee Titans last year where he was pretty much a complete non-factor. If Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney can both be dominant as defensive ends for this team, I think the rest of the defense will kind of fall into place because if you can have a dominant pass rush with two dominant edge rushers, your defense is going to be good. It doesn't matter if you have superstars across the secondary, like by the way, the Browns do. It doesn't matter if you have, you know, questionable linebackers like the Browns probably do at this point. If you have a dominant pass rush, you can be a Super Bowl level defense. And if Jadavion Clowney and Miles Garrett reach their ceiling, it'll be a Super Bowl level pass rush for the Cleveland Browns. Those are the three things I'm looking for early. The Browns have to start the season hot. You can't come out of the gates with a two and three record or two and four record and then hope you bounce back and and finish the season strong. None of that. That's 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 not Super Bowl, you know, caliber play. Baker has to be the focal point of the offense. I know you have Nick Chubb. I know that he's a beast, all that. But Baker Mayfield has to be the guy. And number three, 
the Browns defense has to be Super Bowl caliber because of Jadavian Clowney and Miles Garrett. That's it. It's really not that crazy because of all the talent you have on on your team and because of the all-star coach that you acquired in Kevin Stefanski. It's really not that complicated. All you need is Baker to step up and and you need Jadavian Clowney and Miles Garrett to step up. And then if those three thi- if those two things happen, everything else will fall into place. The talent will fall into place, the winning will fall into place. It's really on the back of Miles Garrett, Jadavian Clowney, uh, and Baker Mayfield. So those are the Super Bowl signs. And if you have any other that you can think of, let me know in the comments. Now, I want to move on and talk a little bit more uh, about Baker Mayfield. Because I really think that when you look at Baker Mayfield and his sort of public perception, I think that it's an interesting kind of way to show media manipulation. Because when I look at Baker Mayfield, I think that in any other era of professional football, we would view Baker Mayfield as one of the top guys. We would view him as one of the best quarterbacks in the National Football League because he is. Baker Mayfield is one of the top echelon guys in the NFL. His advanced stats showed it. His play down the stretch last year showed it. His ability to you know lead his team to the playoffs showed it. Baker Mayfield is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, and that's why he's going to get a big-time contract from the Cleveland Browns, probably in this offseason. But if you only listened to what the national media said about Baker Mayfield, you would never know it, because there are still people who question him and his ability. Most recently being former NFL GM Mike Tannenbaum last week, who literally said that he would be more willing to give uh, Nick Chubb a big-time contract because he thinks that basically the Kevin Stefanski play-action offense is sort of plug-and-play for any quarterback just because guys like Kirk Cousins and Case Keenum had success in the scheme. Baker Mayfield is still being disrespected by the media. He is still being underrated, basically, by anybody who's willing to to do so in front of a a microphone in a national audience. And I think the main reason why is because when you look at social media and when you look at, say, say SportsCenter or or any of the big-time carriers of, of sports news... What you want to focus on in the modern era is highlights, because highlights are what sell. What sells isn't a quarterback being precise and, you know, perfectly executing a game plan or anything like that. What sells are the sidearm throws from Patrick Mahomes, the 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 hundred yard bombs from Josh Allen, or the, the 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 Houdini tricks from Lamar Jackson as he escapes a billion, you know, different defenders. Baker Mayfield's style of play doesn't sell to the media it, it it just doesn't I mean he's not a flashy quarterback he's not and and it's crazy to say that because he's definitely not a pure pocket passer or anything of that nature but Baker Mayfield's style of play his precision and accuracy they just don't sell they're not highlights they're not these you know sports center level plays And when you're a quarterback like that, you're not going to get the sort of hits on social media that the other guys would. 
And because of that, the national discussion then kind of leaves Baker Mayfield on the side. And you're more prone to talk about guys like Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, you know, Josh Allen, the guys who make the big plays, the guys who produce the highlights or the views on YouTube or TikTok or whatever. And Baker Mayfield gets thrown to the side. But the big thing to remember, even if... Baker Mayfield is not putting up highlight plays is that that doesn't mean he's a bad quarterback. Baker Mayfield is still one of the best quarterbacks in the National Football League and I still view him as a quarterback who can win your team the Super Bowl. I view Baker Mayfield as the type of quarterback who can be a focal point for your offense. The media doesn't get to decide who's good and who's bad. The only, only people who get to decide who's good and who's bad are the players themselves, the players who put in the work and the players who actually go out and perform on the field. ESPN, Stephen A. Smith, you know, whomever, they don't get to decide. They don't get to choose what happens in the National Football League. What they say isn't gospel. And I think that where we are with modern media, with basically everything being an echo chamber and just everybody taking the same opinions that they see on Twitter or Instagram and just repeating them, you know, on and on and basically it becoming a a just repetitive cycle. I think that the narrative with Baker Mayfield has turned into him being an average quarterback at best. And it is just not true. That's why it's kind of like a little case study with Baker Mayfield. He shows the media bias and how it can affect the perspective of NFL fans. I just thought that was something that was kind of interesting, especially with other Cleveland athletes being kind of thrown under the bus by national media recently, including one Kevin Love. But we're not going to get into that. We're going to get into the new news about the Cleveland Cavaliers because for the first time in what seems like centuries the Cavaliers are going to be relevant and the scary part about that is that they're either going to be relevant for one they're going to be relevant for one of two two reasons they're either going to be relevant because they drafted either Evan Mobley Uh, Jalen Green or Jalen Suggs, which would be a great reason to be relevant, or they're going to be relevant because they made a dumb decision by trading the draft pick away for, for some sort of veteran talent. And as you can probably tell from the way that I spoke about that, I am not a fan of trading the third draft pick in a draft where there are three players who stand out amongst the rest. I think the Cavs need to stick there and pray that the Houston Rockets decide to take Evan Mobley because Jalen Green um, is is the top guy. I mean, I wouldn't be mad if Evan Mobley ended up on the Cavaliers. I think he's going to be a great center uh, at the NBA level, but Jalen Green, to me, could be a real game-changer for this franchise, not only just on the court, but off the court in terms of marketing as well. But an interesting discussion that comes up when talking about Jalen Green is how he would fit on this team with Darius Garland and Colin Sexton. Because really, Kobe Altman in his career as Cavaliers GM has put a ton of faith 
in Colin Sexton and Darius Garland. Those two have been really the key cogs in this entire rebuild. And as you can see, I would say it hasn't gone well because the Cavaliers, I mean, I know that they've technically improved in terms of their record, but overall, I think that the Cavaliers are kind of in the same spot that they were the first year after LeBron left. We are no closer to the postseason than when we were where we were in 2019. And now that we've gotten this far with Darius Garland and Colin Sexton, and Colin Sexton, of course, is a prolific scorer, there are talks about contracts. And Colin Sexton is going to be up and eligible for a contract soon, and he's going to get paid a lot of money by some NBA team. It might be the Cavaliers. It might be some other team. But somebody is going to pay big-time money for a guy who can put consistently 24 you know points on the board and as soon as the Cavaliers landed the third pick in the draft lottery the discussion shifted to could the Cavaliers trade Colin Sexton there were immediately reports out that the Cavaliers were putting out feelers for what you know other teams would potentially be willing to give up for Colin Sexton and I know that that makes a lot of fans upset because, quite frankly, Colin Sexton is the best player this team has had since LeBron left. He has consistently been a top performer. He consistently has put effort on the floor. He's been your best player since LeBron left. But the reason that trades are being discussed is 100% valid. And quite frankly, if the Houston Rockets take Evan Mobley and if the Cavaliers do end up drafting either Jalen Green or Jalen Suggs, the Cavaliers are going to have to trade Colin Sexton. It's it's not really a question of if they'll trade Colin Sexton, it's when they'll trade Colin Sexton if one of those two guards gets drafted. Because keeping him and drafting one of those two just wouldn't make sense. Now, When you look at what Jalen Green or what Jalen Suggs brings to the table, I think both players have a higher ceiling overall than Colin Sexton. And I'm going to cut Jalen Suggs out of the conversation for a minute because I highly doubt he would be the selection there. So let's just stick with Jalen Green. If the Cavaliers draft Jalen Green, he is going to be a starter at some point in his rookie year. If, If they don't, If they don't feel comfortable starting him right off the bat, that wouldn't shock me because that kind of seems to be the thing the Cavaliers do. They kind of bring their rookies along slowly. But at some point in his rookie year, Jalen Green would be a starter because he's going to immediately bring athleticism. He's going to bring scoring. He's going to bring shooting. He's going to bring pretty decent size. I think he's about six foot five to a backcourt that desperately, desperately needs it. So if Jalen Green is drafted to the Cavaliers, he's going to be a starter. And that means that either Colin Sexton or Darius Garland would be moved to the bench. And likely it will be Colin Sexton. Because while Sexton puts up really good scoring numbers, he's not a true point guard. He's not a true facilitator. That Darius Garland is. So your backcourt of the future would be Darius Garland and Jalen Green. Colin Sexton would effectively be the first man off the bench. And listen, that would not be a terrible scenario. Because Colin Sexton, I think, would be an immediate 
top candidate for sixth man of the year. His ability to score in bursts is incredible. I mean, he is one of the best natural scorers in the NBA. But for a young, rebuilding team, I think Kobe Altman and company would really, really struggle paying a bench player big-time money. Because whether he comes off the bench or starts, you are going to have to give Colin Sexton probably a $100 million-plus contract to stick with this team. And if you draft Jalen Green, Colin Sexton moves to the bench, you would be paying a bench player $100 million per year. I don't think the Cavaliers, or not per year, he wouldn't be making that much money, but you're going to be giving him, you know, a big time contract where he's making, you know, big figures every single year. And I don't think that's somewhere the Cavaliers want to be. I don't think they want to be paying their bench players that type of contract because in the near future, you would then be paying Darius Garland a big contract as well and likely, you know, Jalen Green. So if the Cavaliers draft Jalen Green, even if it seems like a sucky scenario, you probably would see a Colin Sexton trade be made. And that might not necessarily be a bad thing for the Cavaliers. Although I like Colin Sexton, he's you know currently my favorite player on the team. I think he's a great guy. I think you'd probably get some decent assets for Colin Sexton. I think he's a, he, he, he's a pretty valuable player right now. And I think there are contending teams that would like to have him coming off of their bench. But this isn't really a bad scenario for the Cavaliers to be in. It's just kind of a tricky one because you're definitely going to get a really good player with a really high ceiling in the NBA draft. You might just have to part ways with somebody who you thought was a member of your core, whether it be Jared Allen or Colin Sexton. But this has been uh, the Mason Talk Sports Show with a little bit of Cavaliers basketball talk. I want to get back to talking Cavaliers because I really do think they are on the verge of finally being back to relevancy. So I might be including them a little bit more uh, in my shows. But let me know in the comments anything you thought of any of these topics. What do you think are some signs for the Browns to be, you know, real Super Bowl contenders? Do you think the media is still, you know, critically underrating Baker Mayfield? And who do you think would be traded if Jalen Green were to be drafted to the Cavaliers? Do you think Colin Sexton could be shown the door? Let me know in the comments. Thanks for listening to the Mason Talks Sports Show. I will see you in my next episode. Goodbye.